It is a pleasure to uh, be with you this morning, and uh, yes, I am uh, come up here solo today. Unfortunately, my uh, wife is a little under the weather. She was planning to be here, and at least one other one, I think, has it as well. So um, uh, hope, hopefully it is uh, rather short-lived, but uh, we will see how that all works out. <clears throat> I have, uh, over the past, um, well, I'm, I'm not sure, not on a regular schedule, I've uh, preached some messages from uh, some of the, uh, the parables and, and uh, well, not so much the parables, but some of the miracles that Jesus performed. <clears throat> and I want to share one of those with you this morning, and I invite you to turn to uh, John chapter 9. <clears throat> This uh, may be a familiar story to you, and I found it rather unique because um, as, I, as I studied this particular story, and it, it uh, covers the entire chapter here, <clears throat> the, um, you know, often when Jesus would, would perform a miracle or he would heal somebody or he would, um, you know, touch someone, uh, it was... Either we, we don't have much information about it or uh, there wasn't um, much fuss around it. They were healed and, and they went on. Uh, this particular case is different uh, in that uh, there is some, some extra dialogue that we see here that goes on here for some time. And uh, then Jesus finally responds um, again at the end of the chapter. <clears throat> but this is the account of the man who was born blind and who received his sight uh, from Jesus. And um, I've sort of divided this into to four sections. And so we'll kind of look at each, each one of these parts uh, here individually. I'm not necessarily going to read all of this. Um, <clears throat> but the, um, the first part is verses 1 through 7, and um, I've just simply entitled this message, Blindness, um, and we'll get into some more aspects of that a bit later, uh, but I'm going to begin reading it, John chapter 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. <clears throat> well, this first part, 
um, I've sort of put a, a subtitle to this one, and this one, the disciples learn a lesson. Um, <clears throat> the, it, it seems to me that the disciples were, were victims here of some preconceived ideas or some teachings, perhaps, that they had received uh, that were not true. And, um, you know, the same thing can happen to us sometimes. We, we receive information sometimes that's, or teaching that's not always accurate or true. And, and if we're not careful, we can kind of go on with some of that and, and get ourselves into a fix later on when we realize that what we had heard was not necessarily accurate, was not true. And so it's important that, that we always base what we learn, what we understand upon the truth of God's word. To always use that as our guide and as our rule. <clears throat> now you may be familiar with uh, faith healers uh, today and the more modern uh, teachings about uh, sin as it relates to disease and sickness and so forth. And there are people today that, that do believe that. That um, if you're sick, um, if you have cancer or something, that it's because there's something in your life that's not right. Um, or uh, if some calamity befalls you, it's because that you weren't walking right with the Lord uh, because he would not allow those things to happen. That is a false teaching. It is, it, it's, it's simply not true, as we will see here in a bit. Now, I don't think that that's what the disciples were referring to. <clears throat> when they saw this blind man, uh, he'd been blind from birth, so he was um, in... I calculate he was probably uh, around 30 years old, perhaps. So he was probably well-known. A blind person probably didn't wander very far. He stayed within his comfort zone where he was familiar. And, um, and so he was probably very easily recognized, and people knew that he was a blind man. <clears throat> and so uh, as they were walking by, they, they see this this gentleman and the disciples asked Jesus said who sinned this man or his parents um, now there was um, as I said I don't think they were thinking about what we consider today these these modern day faith healers that associate sin with with disease um, but perhaps it went something a little bit deeper and perhaps a little bit darker maybe of um, this idea of, of transmigration where um, there, there are some sects and it, this crept into the Pharisees in, in some of their teachings that if someone died with certain amount of sin that uh, they could transfer that sin after they were in Hades could transfer it to someone who was living and then it would manifest itself in some sort of disease in this case a blind person and and so that that actually was a teaching that it crept it, it actually some said it, it originated with um, maybe Hinduism well I don't know if it originated but it's found in Hinduism but it also had, had come into the, the uh, pharisaical teachings as well <clears throat> and apparently the the disciples were a, a product of that a little bit. They had been influenced, and so they naturally believed because they didn't give any other alternative. Jesus, who was it? Him or his parents? 
it obviously had to have been someone's sin that this man was blind. Well, Jesus answers the question in verse 3. He said, neither this man nor his parents. So the question is, what is, the, what is God's purpose in illness, in, in, in calamity, in things that, that we all experience in life, in sickness? What is the purpose of it? I don't believe that um, the reason my wife's not here today is because she sinned. Uh, it's just the fact that we all get sick. People get sick. People get injured. Um, it's part of life. It's part of, of living uh, here on this earth in imperfect bodies. Jesus goes on to say, <clears throat> and he gives a reason. He said, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And that's an important key for all of us, that the works of God would be revealed through something that befalls me, some illness or some calamity or some adversity. None of us like adversity. We want, we want life to go pretty smooth. We try to arrange things where, uh, you know, we have, we have our bases covered. We, you know, if... Um, if we suspect there's, um, um, you know, hard times coming, we're gonna we're gonna can up more food. We're gonna put stuff aside. We're, we're gonna take care of ourselves. We're gonna do those things because we don't like to get in uncomfortable situations. But sometimes, it happens, and, and things happen that we don't plan for. And Jesus said, "There's a purpose behind these things." And I'm not saying that that we always have to find what that purpose is. Sometimes we may never know. We may never know why God brings certain things into our experience, but, but these things can happen. <clears throat> and in the case of the disciples, uh, apparently they believed in this idea of, of or, or perhaps, I, I'm, I'm speculating here a little bit, that they believed in, in this transmigration that, that somehow someone else's sin, at least maybe the parents, uh, had, um, was on this young man's life and caused him to be blind. <clears throat> now, uh, there's uh, something interesting here as, as Jesus then engages with this blind man. Well, maybe before we go there, just finish out what Jesus said. Verse 4, he said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there, but uh, Jesus is just emphasizing the fact that, that he has work to do and he has to glorify the Father. And, and part of his work, he's getting ready to manifest it here shortly as he heals this blind man. And, and so... Um, the blind man is, is there, and this is an opportunity for Jesus to demonstrate the glory of God in the life of this man. And I'm glad we have the rest of the story, because in this story, we really see the difference that it made in this man. Unlike some of the, the uh, miracles, you know, he healed people, he raised them from the dead, and they went on, and we read nothing else more about them. This one here, we get a, a bigger picture of of what he uh, was here to accomplish. <clears throat> and so in verse 6, then Jesus, um, he made some clay, 
and he placed it on the blind man's eyes and told him to go and to wash. So there was not immediate healing. You see, he didn't just pronounce the man to, to see like he did others, you know, to arise and walk or something. He gave him something to do. And so there was obedience that was required of this man in order for him to experience this healing. There was some action that had to be taken place in order for the work of God to manifest itself in his life. Because when Jesus placed the clay on his eyes, he still couldn't see. But Jesus said, go and wash. And so he sent him to the the pool of Siloam, which I understand was just a... uh, a common water source within the city. And, um, and, and so it was a place that he was familiar with. He could find, uh, even though he was blind, um, he could easily find it. And so that's what he did. Now remember, the man's still blind, so he hasn't seen Jesus. He just had a conversation with him and, and Jesus touched his eyes. And uh, so just... Keep that thought in the back of your mind. <clears throat> and, uh, but nevertheless, the man obeyed. And his obedience resulted in healing. And you know, often uh, there's a lot of parallels we could probably make with that, that we need to, you know, to, to exercise our faith, to, to demonstrate our faith. It requires obedience. It requires action. To do something. We can say that we have faith, but as James said, without works, you know, what, what is faith? We have to have the action. We have to do something. And so here we see it. This man was willing. He had faith. He believed, or else he probably wouldn't have gone and done what Jesus told him to do. But he went and he could see. <clears throat> Verses 8 to 12 is uh, part 2. And this is the, um, the response of the people when they realized that this man could now see, that he was healed. <clears throat> and um, let me read those verses. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, he is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash or go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received my sight. Then they said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Well, this healing was was not done in private. It was in a public place. It was done to someone who people apparently were familiar with and they had seen this man about and and, um, had, you know, obviously recognized him because I'm sure blind people didn't wander too far. And, And so... They, he was probably a regular there. And they knew he was blind. Um, but now they see something different. This man is different. 
he's, he's been changed. There's a change that has come about, and they obviously see it, that here this blind man can now see. And, you know, people notice change. When, when God gets a hold of someone's life and changes it, people will notice the change. It is, it's obvious, especially in some cases. I recently uh, just read a book, uh, a biography of uh, Demas Salaberios. He was a, um, as a young boy, he grew up on the streets of New York City. And, um, and I'm not sure how, how long ago this was. The book, I think, just came out of maybe a couple of years ago. <clears throat> and uh, he got into, involved in the, the street drugs, drug trafficking. And by the time he was 15 years old, he was a major, major drug dealer. Um, and he almost lost his life several times uh, through all of that, uh, them fighting over territories and streets and, and, and all of that. Um, and, and he wanted to get more and more powerful and become what they called a street god, uh, where everything came through him. Well, it so happened he eventually found his way to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and he became one of those. He became extremely powerful because uh, the drugs were easy to bring in and the market was rich. And, and eventually, I think he was not even 16 yet, and he said that any drugs that were sold on the streets in Winston-Salem came through his channels, everything. Uh, he became extremely wealthy. Well, while he was there, um, there were, and, and it's a long story, of course, but three ladies came and laid hands on him and prayed for him at a very critical time in his life. And at that moment, his life began to change. And it didn't change just overnight. It, it took some time. In fact, he said that, that um, you know, right away he stopped selling cocaine he, he got rid of everything that he had, but he said he'd keep selling marijuana because that's natural and he thought it was okay. Uh, but he said eventually God got a hold of his heart and he, he, he kept changing him. But you see, people noticed the change. And when he went back to New York City, people saw that Demas was a different person. He was, he was no longer serving uh, the drug world. He was serving God. And uh, today he's a pastor of a church that um, is directly involved on the streets in New York City among uh, particularly drug dealers and those people who are getting themselves in harm's way. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing story. But you know, when God gets a hold of someone's life, he changes it. Amen. And, and people see it. They're gonna, it's obvious. And such was the case with this blind man. Uh, just through this simple act, Jesus changed his life. And, and yes, it's just something physical he could now see. But we're going to see how it, he changed him in a much deeper level than just simply giving him physical eyesight. But the people noticed and they began to ask questions and said, this can't be the same guy. We must have the wrong one. Some said, it's him. Others said, no, it just looks like him. Um, and so they asked him, and he said, yes, it's me. I'm the one. Jesus has changed my life. I'm, I can now see. 
Now, um, up to this point, um, I don't think he had seen Jesus. And so it seems a little, he is, um, perhaps a little indifferent <clears throat> when they begin to ask him and said, uh, how did this happen? How were your eyes opened? And he said, a man called Jesus. He hadn't seen him. He just, all he knows is there's a man called Jesus. And, but he knew how he did it. He anointed his eyes with clay <clears throat> and told him to go to the, the pool and wash. And they said, where is he? Now, um, in that question, I don't want to read too much in it, but perhaps they were wondering too, realizing this was the Sabbath day. And uh, the Pharisees are pretty strict about what happened on the Sabbath day. And, um, and so perhaps they wanted to find this guy. You know, who's this that's doing this? They said, where is he? He says, I don't know. And I think that was a very honest answer. Um, because all he knew, there was a man named Jesus. He was blind. He didn't see him leave. He didn't know where he went. Um, he, he'd never, he met him, but he hadn't seen him. So he didn't know where he was. Um, so I think he was being quite truthful in what he said. <clears throat> the, uh, the next group of verses, uh, which is rather lengthy, 13 to 34, is the third part. And this is the part of the Pharisees. They bring, uh, the, the people then, they bring the blind man to the Pharisees. I guess they want to get to the bottom of this. And the Pharisees were the, um, um, sort of the final authority in, in things of, of these matters. And so they want them to decide, you know, what's, you know, what's going on here? How did this man uh, come to see? There's somebody around here that's healing. And, uh, of course, they had known and heard of Jesus. That was nothing new. And... Um, and it seems like they're trying to, to get their hands on him to do something. And so here's an opportunity. The people bring him uh, to the Pharisees. And uh, verse 14 said it was the Sabbath when Jesus had done this. And, um, and so they claimed that this man, Jesus, had broken the Sabbath. But here again, they held a false belief. This was not accurate. Uh, there was no... Um, um, there was nothing that would forbid someone from doing an act of kindness on the Sabbath. The Sabbath rule for, for, for working was to do no unnecessary work. But it never, would never forbid doing something of, of mercy and kindness to, to relieve the suffering of someone else. It, it was never intended that way. In fact, Jesus responded to the Pharisees in another passage in Luke uh, chapter 6. He said, well, they confronted him about something similar. He said, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? So Jesus pulled out that truth and they had to walk away because they couldn't, they knew they couldn't answer that question. They had, had gone overboard with their law and it was always okay to do good to save life 
to, to acts of kindness and mercy. <clears throat> and so they had this um, false understanding of the law, and they were trying to exploit that in order to trap Jesus and, and, uh, and, and to capture him as well. And so uh, the story goes on, um, and they begin to, um, well, they bring the man in, verse 15, and, and they ask him about it, and he said, just simply, that this man put clay on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Uh, so he was being very straightforward with his answer, and I want you to notice the progression of the answers that this man has as this um, I was going to say interview. It's really an interrogation that they have over him um, as it escalates. And so uh, they began to discuss among themselves. They said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Um, so how could that happen? Others said, verse 16, I'm, I'm here, um, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And so they began to argue. They were getting divided because they can't understand, they can't get to the bottom of this thing because of their false perception of the law. And, and, and they're trying to trap him, but Jesus has not committed any wrongdoing, and so uh, they're unable to come to any conclusion. And so they ask the, um, the blind man again, you know, what do you think? Well, that's verse 17. See, so, yeah, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. You're the one that experienced it. Let's, let's hear what you have to say. And I find interesting the man's answer. Up to this point, he's, he's always been just kind of low-key and just said simply, he touched my eyes and, and now I can see. I washed and now I see. But this time he said, he is a prophet. He is a prophet. Um, now that's sort of a, uh, an interesting response because um, this seemed to give him an out. Uh, I think they were not only trying to trap Jesus, but they were trying to trap this man as well. And, and, and you know, he had just encountered Jesus, so what did he know? But it seems like this change that has come upon him is starting to take effect in his own life and in his heart. And he begins to say things that I believe are only guided by the Spirit. And he begins to speak, and he said that he is a prophet. Because if, if he would have said he's the Messiah or he is the Christ, then that could really opened up a can of worms, so to speak, and caused an outrage. And he could have been harmed and, uh, and you know, who knows what else. But he answered that he was a prophet. That kind of left things open. It gave him an out. Um, and so there was something that was coming upon this man. He was not falling into their trap. You know, the, the Holy Spirit, I, 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 sometimes I, I think we fail to realize the power of the Holy Spirit and how real he is and, and how much he can work in our lives and how much he can help us in, in situations that are beyond our control. 
uh, the, the Holy Spirit is real, and I think we need to, to realize that and, and, and to continue to pray that the Holy Spirit would guide us in our, in our speaking and in our conversing with other people. Our, our Sunday school lesson, we were discussing this thing of, of sowing seed. And, and, you know, that is, again, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that can come over us and give us the words to speak at the right moment because God is the one that knows the hearts of men. And, and he's the one that knows when the soil is right. And of course, Jesus uh, knew that here. And, and this man, as we see, is, is beginning to be filled with something that I believe is the Holy Spirit. Well, as the story goes on... Um, Verse 18, the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight, so they called his parents. Uh, so they didn't really, you know, didn't really believe that he, he really was blind. They thought maybe this is an imposter or something. And um, so they had to verify it, so they called the parents in. And they began to question them. I find the parents' response being a little bit uh, disappointing um, however, I think I can understand uh, where they were coming from. Um, they do not obviously want to get too deeply involved in this and are just trying to stay aloof. And, but they acknowledge, they said, yes, this is our son. And he was born blind. And now he can see. Um, and so they asked him, they, well, then they went on to say, that said, but we do not know who opened his eyes or how it happened. He's of age, ask him. So we know this young man is, is a little older if he is of age. Some suggest 30 years old. <clears throat> and uh, so the parents are just kind of staying out of it. Because, you see, if they were to attest to, the, to a miraculous act of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, they would be immediately excommunicated from the synagogue. And excommunication from the synagogue was not just for your spiritual place. It involved your whole life. It was your social life and everything. Everything they did revolved around the life around the synagogue. And they would have become an outcast completely, out of the social circle. And, of course, they didn't want to jeopardize that, and so they were staying a little bit aloof. I guess it just begs the question, what really would have happened had they testified of, you know, what Jesus had done in this young man's life? Or maybe they really didn't know. Um, I guess that's uh, up for debate. But nonetheless, uh, the story continues. So they didn't get much out of the parents. <clears throat> Obviously, in verse 22, we see what they were feeling. It said... They did these, they said these things because they feared the Jews, and the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. So um, obviously they, they had a real sense of fear about this. That made me think, you know, about fear. Fear and threatening have no place in the church. And unfortunately, I've seen that happen 
before where, especially in leadership, where, where fear is used to, to try to bring about some kind of result. And that should never happen. It, should, it also should never happen in our homes, in our families, with our children, or in a job situation. You could, you could put it in there as well. Uh, to, to, in any situation, to utilize fear to try to force someone into thinking or doing something uh, that they're not. Uh, that's a dangerous place to be. And apparently the Pharisees were doing that. They were, were using fear of this excommunication from the synagogue, the social life, all of that to help control people. <clears throat> but the man is not backing down, the, the blind man who could now see. And we see that as the story continues. So they bring him in again in uh, uh, verse um, 24. And they called him and they said, give God the glory. In other words, it's sort of like I interpret this as being, look, you're under oath. You're before the authority, the Pharisees. We have the authority. And, and we're bringing here, you are under oath. So give God the glory. We know this man is a sinner. So they've already uh, made their declaration. Uh, they haven't, there, no further investigation. They've decided because that this happened on the Sabbath, he's, he's already a sinner. So they're kind of setting this man up. Okay, we've established the rule here. We know this man is a sinner and, and you're here before us. We're the authority. We're up here and you're down there. And, 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 and you know, this is, this is how it is. <clears throat> and uh, I find it interesting the response here. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. And it's an amazing answer because he, he's actually stepping out a little bit. He wasn't even asked a question, but he be, begins to respond right away. He said, uh, you know, I, in, in a sense, he's saying, I'm not falling for your tricks. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to, you know, you said he's a sinner. I'm not making that proclamation. Whether he's a sinner or not, all I know is what he did. And, and isn't that what God wants us to do? That's how we testify. That's how we witness. That's how we share the gospel is to tell others what God has done for us. We don't have to know so much we don't, it, it, it helps, but we don't have to have such a, a grasp of knowledge on all of the scriptures before we can testify. We just simply tell, tell others what God has done for us. And that's what this man was doing. He's beginning to tell them what Jesus had done, as simple as it was. He said, all I know is that he touched my eyes and now I can see. And in fact, I believe he's seeing a lot more than what the Pharisees are seeing. Because the story continues and his, his um, uh, interaction with them, uh, it, it even increases. <clears throat> and he just simply shares the most substantial evidence that there is. He said, I was blind and now I see. And there's nothing that they could argue against in that case. And so they ask him then, 
um, verse 26, exactly how did this happen? What, they want to know what did he do to you that you're able to see? Tell me, you know, give, us, give us all the details. Tell us how it happened. The man answers, verse 27, I told you already and you did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become one of his disciples? I mean, he's really getting things riled up here now, and, and he begins to question them. You see, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that's coming upon him, and, 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 and God is filling him with, with these answers to say, and, and he's not falling into their trap. Um, he has now, you see, turned the tables, and he has put them on the defense. At first, he was the one defending himself, and now he has put them in the defense. And, and, and maybe at first, it seemed like he was a little bit indifferent about how this happened, but now he's on fire. And then he's coming at them with, with questions and, and, and trying to get them to understand, you know, do you want to hear it again? Or maybe you want to be one of his disciples. And so in there, obviously, they, they realize their, their position is in a position of defense now. And so in verse 28, it said, They reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciple. In other words, he's, they're really putting him down. They said, We are the real deal. We are the ones that came from Moses, our father, and that's we can trace our lineage back to there. You are one of his disciples. In fact, verse 29, they went on. They said, um, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. We don't know anything about him. <clears throat> In other words, they're saying that we are genuine. We're the real deal. We don't know what you are. We don't know who this man is. Well, the man then, again, with, without being questioned, he, he just basically unloads on them, if you would, to use the vernacular, verses 30 to 33. Notice what all he said here. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he fears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And I just find that answer amazing. He just... He just lets loose. He essentially begins to teach them. He said, I find it amazing that you can't understand something so simple. That he touched my eyes. And how could you say that this is not of God because no one has ever been able to give sight to someone that is not from God. And I thought about that. You know, there was a case of, um, you know, when Moses was performing these miracles in front of Pharaoh and the magicians came and they did the same thing. And uh, there were other times when, you know, sorcerers could do some magical things. 
but usually those those were things of destruction. It wasn't the case with Pharaoh. Those were were, were things of, of judgment and destruction, but not anything of construction, where you would actually give sight to someone who could not see. Now, maybe a sorcerer could cause someone to go blind, but they couldn't make them see. He said, it's never been heard of. This is so, and he said, you know, I can't understand why you don't understand. You see, this man is receiving not only his physical sight, but he's receiving spiritual sight. And God is filling him with his spirit where he can see and understand the things that, that the Pharisees cannot see. And you know, that's what, what God does for us. That's what his spirit does. When, when we're filled with the spirit, he gives us spiritual sight where we can understand things. In our Sunday school lesson was a good example. Um, and some of those verses in between the passage where he talked about, you know, that that he, he presents this parable because some people can't see and can't understand. He told the disciples, you can see it. You, you've received that spiritual sight. And so when we follow him in obedience, just as this man did, we receive spiritual sight and we can begin to understand the things in God's word, the things that seem complex. He will bring it to our illumination. <clears throat> And of course, this angered them so much. Verse 34, they said, you were completely born in sins and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. That word cast is interpreted excommunicate. They excommunicated him from the synagogue. So he's, what happened to him is what his parents feared. But he, he was not fearful. And um, he let whatever happens happens and they cast him out <clears throat> that brings us to part four and I just titled this part true blindness <clears throat> so who really is blind here well then he has an encounter with Jesus verse 35 Jesus heard that they'd cast him out he'd been excommunicated <clears throat> and so Jesus found him and he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? Now remember, at least I don't think the man had ever seen Jesus yet with his natural eyesight. And so he answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have both seen him and it is he that is talking with you. So there Jesus identifies himself and he reveals himself to this man and he confirms that he is the one that touched his eyes. He's the one that healed him, and he's the one that's standing before him now. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped. What a beautiful picture. He worshiped. <clears throat> there was something sacred that had happened at that moment. Here was a man who was cast out. He was estranged from the synagogue, from his family, from the social circle. And uh, with the weight of that, Jesus comes to him and opens to him a new relationship that he can experience. <clears throat> and not only that, Jesus 
you know, first of all gave him physical sight, but now he has his spiritual sight. Jesus went on and said and asked him um, for judgment, or he didn't ask him, he went on to say this. He said, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who may see, who see may be made blind. Jesus, you know, is further explaining his purpose here on earth. You know, he, he said that in the beginning that, that he was healing this man so that, that the glory of God could be revealed. And that's exactly what's happening. <clears throat> and Jesus came. He said he came for judgment. And he comes as a judge to those who fail to see, those who fail to realize that he was who he was, who he is. But the Pharisees remained blind. There was a little bit of curiosity there among them. Apparently, verse 40, some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? I guess they began to think, you know, of what all had transpired. And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore, your sin remains. You see, Jesus came to bring sight, but it's up to us to receive it. It's up to us to accept it and, and to, uh, so that we can be a partaker of that sight. And um, this man here came to Jesus and he confessed that Jesus was the Lord. In Romans 10, 9, we read that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is that, that confession with the mouth, that, that believing on Jesus, that's where we receive true eyesight. 1 Peter 2 verse 7, Therefore to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And we don't see that any more evident than right here in this passage as we see the response of the Pharisees. To those who believe, he is precious. To this blind man, Jesus was precious to him. But for the Pharisees, he quoted Isaiah, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. They were rejecting the chief cornerstone, the one that the church is built upon. <clears throat> and this man confessed and had a desire to believe. And he worshipped at that moment. <clears throat> so the story began with this man's physical blindness. And you know, Jesus could have just touched his eyes, gave him sight, and walked on. But Jesus wants to do so much more for us, for you, and for me. He wants not just for there to be physical healing. And that's why I believe that a lot of times he does not always give healing. We pray for healing for people that have illness. And, and sometimes God answers prayer. Sometimes he does not. And, and that's part of, of living in this, this broken world. We, we live in these bodies that are going to get sick. And, and eventually we're all going to die from something 
But Jesus came to touch the part that does not die and to give us real sight, spiritual insight. And that's what happened with this man. And he received both. So may the things that we learn from this parable, and, and particularly may the things that kind of go back to the beginning a little bit, the things that identify us as Christians, you know, whether it's, it's church formality, I'm thinking here of the Pharisees and the trap and the, 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 that they were under, or not necessarily a trap, but the, the, the misconception that they lived and operated under. In a sense, they were trapped within this belief that they had come up with that was so far from the truth of the scripture and it caused their spiritual blindness may we not get caught up in that but let's always go back to the truth of God's word so that we can see clearly we can understand what God's word is and that the truth and everything that we do every practice that we do may it be rooted in the truth of God's word and nothing else May the Lord bless you. Let's have a song.